www.thetarolady.com, and we are going to be talking with a very fabulous guest, but I must bring on my co-host, my fabulous co-host, Miss Bree Saucy. Are you with me? I am. I am. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this evening. We're so excited about our show tonight, and I am Bree Saucy, and you can find me at briannasaucy.com. Welcome. Well, this show, I think, is going to be a really hot topic. What we're talking about tonight is called sales pages that sell. And here's our focal point. You know, you can have the most amazing product or the most fabulous class in the world, but if you have a weak sales page, you know, if you have one that's just really ho-hum, there's nothing exciting about it, if the writing is flat, um, you know your sales are going to be flat too. And so we're going to be talking about how to create compelling sales pages that can really help to convert uh, and create really strong sales for your products. And, and Bree, I'd like to really quickly ask you, you know, with your sales pages, when you first started putting up your site, was this something that you found difficult to do? Because I know for me, writing a sales page, I'm not a salesy girl. That was a hard thing for me to learn. What about you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that writing copy for sales and sales pages is one of the most difficult things to do. And it's something that I still, I I really enjoy the process now, but I enjoy the process because I know that, like, I'm going in for a challenge, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not something that just automatically comes easy. And definitely when I first started, this was this was like the pinch point for me. This was where, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears would all start to flow. So absolutely. Yeah, it was something that I had to really work on and learn. And, you know, taking courses over the years, gotten help from a copywriter too. But uh, I still like to sometimes, you know, and, and a lot of times get down and nail down uh, my own work too, you know. And it, it, it's still something I, I feel I have to work on. I've gotten a lot better at it. But, you know, when you sit down, I, I don't know, I come with a blank page, and it takes me a minute to really get in the mode. So I don't know if you have, you know, a way you get into it or if it just flows out of you or, or if you have a structure, you know. But um, I think a lot of people who are going to be listening in tonight are probably going to find that this is a really tough thing for them when it comes to their business, right? Absolutely, and it's so important. I mean, this is like the one thing. If, if there's like one thing about your website that you nail or about any of your copy that you nail, this is where it needs to be, right? Because if your sales pages don't make sense, if they're incoherent, if they suck, then you're not going to have as many sales, and that's going to affect your bottom line, your quality of life, and everything else. (laughs) (laughs) You have to nail the sales page. It must be nailed. Yes. And I think we have the ideal person tonight. Uh, when we were discussing this, we had one name in our mind, and, and I think you would probably agree that this is somebody who is known in the copywriting industry as writing really great sales pages. So do you want to go and introduce our fabulous guest, Bree? 
I do. You guys, we are so excited and honored tonight to host the one and only Nikki Groom. Nikki Groom is a story coach and copywriter for female business owners who are passionate about what they do and who want a pro to amplify their voice so that they can make a real difference in the lives of others. She has written for best-selling authors, top life and business coaches, as well as all sorts of other female entrepreneurs. And you guys can find her at NikkiGroom.com. And I'm going to spell that. It's N-I-K-K-I-G-R-O-O-M.com. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. It was absolutely true when we were talking about writing a killer sales page, Teresa and I, when we decided we wanted to do the show because it's a question we get asked all the time, we immediately were, were like, Nikki, we have to get Nikki. She's the one. So thank you and welcome. Oh, I love hearing that. Well, thank you so much for having me. I think you two rock. So it's a complete honor and a privilege to be here. So Yay. I can't wait to dig in. Well, <laughs> we can either. Neither can our audience. And we've got a lot of people piling in tonight. So I can tell this is really a hot topic. Uh, so. Yes. Uh, well, let's start out with one thing that I think we are probably dying to know. What is the first thing? you need to consider before you even begin creating a sales page. So we're starting you off with something really tough right there, Nikki. No, I love it. And uh, the tougher the questions, the better. So feel free to try and stump me. Um, I, I, it's funny, before these kinds of calls, I always think like, oh, I, you know, I hope someone doesn't ask me a question I don't know the answer to. But then it's like, this is what I do day in, day out. So um, yeah, I, I think the number one thing is, I always talk about really sort of leading with empathy. And what I mean by that is really understanding who the people are that you serve, what they're really struggling with, and how your product or your service or event or program, whatever it is, how that, how that really speaks to that need. Um, so really identifying the need and identifying how you can help, help people with that. Um, that is kind of the, the prime starting point. And then once you have that, then you can start going deeper and deeper into that. Um, you know, you can uh, start really researching, you know, what people are struggling with, how they're feeling right now, how they want to be feeling in the future, and kind of getting into all that good stuff. Well, what are some of the ways that you can get that information? Let's say, for, let's say, for example, that Bree and I want to create a program specifically for new mothers. What would be your advice on how we can dig and find this information? Well, there are a few ways. So, if you have already been working with people in, you know, a similar capacity, then one way to do that is, say, for example, if you have some kind of an intake form, or even if it's just a contact form on your, on your website that gets fired into your email. You can look back through those and you can kind of pull the that key information when people are like, Oh, this is this is what I'm I'm going through right now, this is this is where I'm stuck, this is where I need help. And and really just paying attention to the words that people use, the language that, that they are using. I think so much of the time when we're trying to write our own copy we're we're worried about finding the right words, but often people give those words to us. Um if you don't if you haven't really worked with people in that capacity before then you could look at um, perhaps other people are doing something similar, maybe look at some testimonials on their website, look at the kind of language people are using again there, or you could look on social media, maybe there are different Facebook groups that you're 
um, a part of maybe people are already having these conversations. So kind of finding ways to tap into that and, you know, that information, that language that people are already using is like gold dust. And um, when I was actually writing a sales page for myself recently, I just found that, because it's funny, you know, just because I'm a copywriter, it doesn't mean that writing my own copy always comes easily. Right, and so we right. have to find ways to make it, you know, I have to find ways to make it easier on myself too. And I just found that that was a huge, um, you know, that's a huge piece for me when I can really nail that language that people are already using and tie that in, you know, pull that in throughout everything that I write. It just really makes everything more impactful and people know what I'm talking about. You know, I'm, I'm using words that they would use. Mm-hmm. I like that focus, too, because I think that something I know I struggled with when I was first starting was being too general in, you know, def- defining sort of what it was that I wanted to address. So, and and I see this now with a lot of people that I work with, you know, it's like, I want to make a difference in the world, or I want to, you know, I want to change the world. And it's like, well, that's awesome, but it's a little general, so I really like your advice to look at the actual specific words that people are using and repeat those back. Definitely. And I'm and I like what you said as well about um because I feel I feel like people sometimes forget to be specific about what it is they're actually offering. You would think that that would be kind of obvious, but I think sometimes <laughs> we get so we're almost like too engrossed in what we're trying to write and we forget to really spell out, all right, this is who I am, this is what I do and this is how I can help you. Um, you know, we we sort of, um, I think there's like this trend recently and I have been guilty of it too of kind of giving your, yourself like these uh, fancy job titles that nobody mm-hmm. else has ever used before. And I think that's so fun and I love that. But at the same time, remember to tell people, all right, and this is, this is how I can help you. I think yeah. that's, that's a really crucial piece and it needs to be in your sales page because people may have jumped straight there from somewhere else. So. Mhm, mhm, absolutely beautiful. Mhm. I like that you said that it's sometimes hard for you too because I have to tell you I assume for copywriters and writers I assume for you guys it's really super easy and for people like me it's like we're the ones who just can't, you know, let this flow. So I find that really fascinating that you said that. Yeah, and and you know, maybe there are other copywriters out there who, you know, they wake up in the morning, they roll out of bed, and they write themselves self a sales page in 10 minutes, and off they go. But I, personally, I haven't found that. And I think what it is is that, um, you know, I have two kinds, two kinds of groups of clients that come to me. One kind, um, they're fantastic at getting up on, on a stage in front of a room full of people and talking about what they do. They don't have any problem with doing that. But when it comes to writing, like, that's just not their jam. So they would rather I just take care of it for them. But then I have another group of people who come to me, and they actually ident- would identify as a writer. You know, they enjoy writing um, in general, but when it comes to writing about themselves, they get stuck. And so what that tells me and, and what I come up against as well, because I'm not immune, is that it's really a big mindset piece. And it, a lot of what's going on is that we're telling ourselves stories like, I'm not good enough, whatever I write isn't going to be as good as that person's, or... Um, you know, maybe we're all already sort of three, four, five steps ahead and thinking, oh, I, I don't know if this is going to work, and this is, you know, because it's always a risk when we put something new out there when we launch something new. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, I think, 
you know, if if you want to sort of take it way, 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 way back to the beginning before you even write a word, a lot of it is just really powering past that side of things. And I find that a really great way to do that is just to really clear your mind, you know, meditate, however you might do that, take a walk, whatever it might be. Give yourself a little bit of elbow room because we always have a million and one things that we're supposed to be doing. Create some space for yourself. Um because that's when you're going to find that you're most creative. And then I love just kind of doing a brain dump, just literally just writing everything down on the page without allowing myself to edit or to think about what I'm writing too much. So it might be complete crap (laughs) that I write, but I can always come back to that later on. So, um, yeah, free writing is, is a great way just to get something down on paper so then you can work with it from there. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. So going from, I like, you gave us a lot of good things to do. What is an example of a big don't when we're first sitting down or we're in the process of writing our sales copy? What should we not do? And what do you see people do that you're like, no, stop it, stop? <laughs> I think that, <laughs> I love that question. Hmm, where do I start? I think that um, we have a tendency, because sometimes we can be a little self-absorbed, to talk about ourselves and talk about everything from our point of view. You know, I created this, I, you know, I do this, I do that. And I think that a really good thing to do is to, or a good thing not to do, is to be too focused on you and to remember that it's really about those, again, those people that you're serving. So um, really put yourself in their shoes. Really try and try and help them feel seen and heard and understood, so that they they know that you get it. They know that you are, they know that you have a you know a firm handle on what they're going through, and they trust you. Um, what else do people do? People, I, I find that people really love, I think the bullet points are great for breaking up a page, but sometimes people will put like 20 bullet points in a row. And I, for, for me personally, I just find that that's kind of too much information to absorb all at once. And sometimes it helps maybe to break those up a little bit. Um, in fact, formatting as a whole, I think that's a big thing because if somebody, again, this is a personal thing, but I'm sure other people find this as well. If you have, like, a huge, big chunk of text, I am not going to read it from beginning to end. I'm just not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scan it for, you know, the points that I think I need to read. So if you can make your sales page visually as appealing as possible, so really, you know, especially if it's on the shorter side, really try and break it up. You know, you might have a sentence that you definitely want people to read or that just really packs a punch. So you might want to bold that, put it on its own line, you know, its own paragraph away from everything else, that kind of thing. And just really think how you want to kind of guide people's eyes down the page. Uh, I so I can so speak to the effectiveness of that because I just launched a program last week and the copy had been there for a long time. The copy was, was very good. Um, but but I write long. I'm, I, my newsletters are long. Everything that I write is on the longer side, and my people know that. They like that. But 
I was looking at the sales page and I was like, this is just, it's too many words, even for me. And my designer really went in and formatted it and it made a complete difference in, in the way that it reads and the way that it flows. Just what she did needed on that's a really important part of this. Bree, are you still Definitely. there? Bree, it sounds like your phone is is cracking up a little bit. So yeah, you you're so, you might want to like hang up and try calling back again. It got really strange there. Nikki, are you still with me? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay, I want Bree to hang up and come back again because it got really funky. Did you hear that too, or was that just me? Yeah, she's done just sounding a bit like a robot. Okay. Well, you know what? She was she was making some really really good points there too about formatting her page. Um, I, I want to go back to something though while we're waiting for her to come back. You know, you mentioned about really being sympathetic or empathic to what our clients need, and one of the things that we hear a lot is that we need to use client avatars. People talk about that all the time. This is standard advice I've heard from many many other coaches or people in who do business training. So I would like to know your thoughts on client avatars and whether you think they're helpful or not. I'm glad you asked me that question because I do have a pretty strong opinion on that, and it's not for everybody. I think that the problem with client avatars is that sometimes we try to be too specific. So we almost trip ourselves up and we, we're overanalyzing and we're feeling kind of almost overwhelmed and how am I supposed to know all of this you know I don't know what what magazines they read or I don't know you know how often they go to the bathroom I you know I'm I'm making fun of it but I think that I think that it's all helpful don't get me wrong I think it's definitely helpful to have have an idea of who you're speaking to to keep that in mind when you're writing but I don't think you necessarily have to know every single little piece about them I don't think that you need to decide where they live and what they wear. And I think that to have a general idea is, you know, that's fine. But I think what is so, you know, whenever I interview a new client, all, all I really care about is knowing kind of more the psychographics, I guess, if you want to put a label on it, of, um, you know, what people are going through. I'm, I'm going to keep repeating myself throughout this call because it really does come back to the same kind of, you know, asking the same kinds of questions. You know, what are, what are people struggling with? How are they feeling? What are they thinking? What do they want most? And what do they fear most? And that question, what do they want most, is so important. And I think that that's something that you want to keep coming back to. That's going to be like the primary focus of your whole page, really understanding what do they really want? What's the outcome that they want to see? What are the results? And, and really speak to that. That's really good advice, and I think Bree is back on the line. Bree, are you I listening? am. I'm back. I'm back. Oh. Hi, Bree. Don't, <laughs> don't know what happened there, but we um, we lost you for a minute. But thank goodness you are back. Yeah, I'm back. I think it's weather. I think it's such as weather. Yeah. So you heard what Nikki was saying about client avatars, and and I really mm-hmm. think that's brilliant advice because you know I've done the client avatars, and for one of the problems I've had with that is that for me. I can't really narrow down my work like that because for when people come for readings, for tarot readings, you know, I have people sometimes who are housewives and sometimes they are CEO of companies. 
they can be people who are super conservative or people who are free spirits. So I don't really have this this niche. And I've had coaches say to me, well, it's too wide, it's too wide, it's too broad. And I have never been able to do that. And I don't know, Bree, if you find that to be the same with your work or not, but I think what Nikki said is very, very important here. Oh, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I did a workshop with a very well-known author last year, and she said that she writes for people who feel lonely. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so brilliant as an avatar. <laughs> I, liked, I, liked, I really liked that because it was so um, universal in a way. And I and I'm had the exact same experience you have, Teresa, with, you know, my people are, they come from all over, all spectrums all colors, all shapes. And so there's no, yeah, like trying to get really specific about where they shop and what magazine they're subscribed to, like that just doesn't work. Right on. Yeah, and I think as well it's it's about really finding those points of connection. I think that that is the most important thing. How can you connect with people? What, you know, where maybe um, do you have something in common? So that might be, Maybe you have a particular viewpoint. Maybe you have a set of beliefs that they maybe share. And I've found more and more recently that the clients that are coming my way, we share the same values. And I think that that is more important than anything else. So they really believe in making a difference and, you know, running business, running their business in a conscious way and really showing up and being vulnerable and but being real. And uh, so I think that that values piece and just maybe the way that you approach whatever you do or, how, you know, however you show up, I think that, that that is really what to focus on. And then talking about ways to connect as well, that kind of leads us nicely into on your sales page, it's it's really nice. Uh, nice is such a terrible word. I'm sorry. I don't know what you said, but it's a really great thing to do to um, bring in a piece of your story as well because, again, that helps people connect with you and trust you, and that's what it's all about, really. Right on. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I think that's more important. We've talked a lot. We've talked a little bit about, like, the content and creating the content, but of course, we all know that one of the things we have to do first is come up with a headline. So what is the easiest way you have to come up with clever headlines for sales pages? So this is what I do. This is my little hack. <laughs> so I'm sure that everybody that's on the call is the same way, and I bet you two are as well. You probably received like a million emails from – you're subscribed to a bunch of different email lists, and you receive – emails all the time from different people. But I doubt you open all of those. There are some that you do open. And so a really good exercise is to start noticing, okay, or, or maybe, you know, maybe it's not an email. Maybe it's um, an article that pops up in your Facebook newsfeed or something like that. Maybe it's uh, something that someone links to on Twitter. But start noticing the headlines of things that you click on. Because sure, it might be something that's um, that's of interest to you, but but often it's the way that someone phrases a headline. And and what you can do is start creating like a swipe list. So I love Evernote for that. But you might want to just write it. You know, you know, you might want to have a a blank journal that you start keeping your headlines in. And then when it comes to writing your headline, 
play around with them and see if you can kind of plug and play your keywords and phrases in there and, and see what works. That's, so that's really great advice. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot because you're right. What grabs you is going to most likely be something that will grab your audience. Yeah, exactly. And you start to notice as well, the more that you, you know, the more that you're communicating with people and emailing them and everything else, you start to notice the headlines that work better than others as well. So, you know, obviously also looking at your own stuff and making a note of, okay, well, a whole bunch of people open this one. My open rate, you know, shot up this, this week or this month. So let me look at that headline again. And often that's, that's the thing that's really driving people to, to open up and to read. You know, here's you're talking um, about things that drive people to read, and that brings to mind our next question. Um, you know, I want to talk about what sales techniques you feel work and which ones don't. For example, I'll tell you what doesn't work very well for me is scarcity stuff. As soon as people start talking something like that, um, I find that it gives a very uncomfortable feeling, and I don't like using that in my own sales page thing, unless it really truly is, you know, a real scarcity thing that there's only this is the day something closes or this is how many people are in. But sometimes people really take that to a degree that makes me just nervous reading it. So uh, I'd like to know about what sales techniques you think work on a sales page and which ones you don't think work very well and why. Definitely. And I'd love to actually start with with what, you know the one that you just talked about, the scarcity thing, because I think that you hit the nail on the head when you talked about, you know, I don't want to say that unless it really is true. Mm-hmm. And I think that a good sort of rule for sales pages and how for life as well is to, you know, be honest, be transparent, and be kind, and that way you can't go wrong. I think that it's okay to use, you know, if you if you have a technique that you want to use, I think it's okay to use it. But I think also don't overdo it and just be aware that, you know, people aren't stupid and they know when they're being manipulated into doing something. So, you know, again, approach everything that you do, everything that you that you write um with compassion and think about the people that you're talking to and don't underestimate them and don't um, don't forget about the fact that they're individuals and they have feelings and they don't want to be made to feel kind of anxious or like they're being pushed around. They want to feel like you have their best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if it's true that you you can only take 10 people as part of your course because you want to give everyone as much personal attention as possible, then tell them so. And if you need people to sign up by a certain date, then tell them so, and even better, give them a bonus or a discount so they can get something extra, and then you know where you stand earlier on, so it's kind of like a win-win. But yeah, so I think you can absolutely do it, but just be conscious about how you do it. Um, And then I guess like other techniques, I mean... I have have to admit, I'm a bit of a throw-the-rule-book-out-the-window kind of a girl, and... um, that's why we like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know that I know that there is there are so many books and resources out there like use this headline and or you know, use use these phrases or 
write this and people will do that. Well, I think to a point it's true, but I think that if you're really identifying who your people are and you're speaking directly to them in a way that makes sense to them and, you know, you're, you make it clear that you genuinely care, you, genu- you genuinely want to help, I think you can't really go wrong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, and and if you find that um, maybe you're reading a sales page of someone else's and there's a certain word or, or phrase that they use and you're like, oh, oh I like how they, they said that and that really made me feel, it, it made me feel good, then certainly make note of that and that might be something that you want to, you know, you might want to use that in something that you write, but Otherwise, I just think, you know, yeah, throw the rule book out the window and write what feels good to you. And I'm sure that if you do that, then it will feel good to the people that you're writing for as well. I love it. I mm-hmm. agree. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it goes back to the, the trust that you're building with your reader, which I think you've honed in on really beautifully during the entire call. The, so, the other thing, though, I, I really want to quickly say, Bree, before you, I know you, you've got a question. I can feel it on the tip of your tongue. But <laughs> for the type of work we're doing, which is, you know, more of the, of the heart-centered, the soul work, the metaphysical work, I don't think for the type of work we're doing, coming at it with the sales, sales, sales thing is really appropriate for our industry. I think no. what Nikki is recommending, being empathic and thinking about, what the client needs and how I can serve them. I think when we come from that mindset, that really is more aligned with the type of work we're doing. Wouldn't you really agree with that? Oh, I, I really do. And, you know, something that I have become so sensitive to in the last, really like in the last two years, I would say, are so-called like life coaches or spiritual coaches or any heart-centered anything that comes at me with a real sales, sales, sales attitude, I automatically unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I, I just, I, it's so the the vibe is so misaligned with what they claim to be doing, and it could just be that they hired a bad copywriter, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it, it may not be a real reflection of their work, but like the mismatch is so hardcore for me that I just tune it out automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I want to talk about length of a sales page. I was saying when I think my phone cut out that I tend to write really long. My audience knows that. They expect that. I think if I wrote a really, like, short, pithy thing, my whole community would be like, are you okay? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Are you all right, Marie? We would love to hear, Nikki, do you favor short or long and and if you favor one over the other, tell us why. And why might either work or not work, depending on how you do it? <clears throat> do you know, this is the question, I, one of the questions I get asked the most. I feel like... Interesting. Yeah. It, it really well, is. I will tell you personally, I feel like there's a lot of pressure out there to keep your writing really short. Like and oh. which is fine, you know, and I and I've just ignored it. <laughs> That's I funny that you say that, that because my tendency is to write a shorter sales page. So if I'm going to write one for myself, I tend to keep it on the shorter side. That tends to be my style, and so I feel like there's a lot of pressure out there to write a long sales page. <laughs> so Interesting. I feel like it's really and isn't that funny? Yeah. I love it. 
So I think I think that's the thing, isn't it? Sometimes we get comparisonitis and we look at what other people are doing and think, oh, should I be doing that? I always answer in this way. I say, you know, as long as you have all the pertinent information on the page, as as long as you've covered, you know, and I can kind of run through what I think that you really should cover in a really in a really good sales page. As long as you you hit all those things, it doesn't really matter if it's really long or really short. As long as you know everything that's on the page is relevant and it needs to be there, I think that a lot of and I've read your stuff, Bree, so I know that um, you write beautifully, and I'm sh- and I'm sure that all of your sales pages are wonderful and and everything needs to be in there. Um, but I have read some sales pages where people are kind of rambling a little bit. <laughs> There's not mm-hmm. a nicer way to say it than that. And, um, <laughs> so, and I always say, you know, people will say, oh, I think my sales page is too long. Do you think it's too long? And I say, well, if you think it's too long, it, it's probably too long. <laughs> so I think that, that this is one of those situations where kind of tune, if you're the kind of person to do that, which I'm sure that both of the people on this call are, just really tune into like, how you feel and you know tune it in, tune into your gut and if your gut is telling you that the page is too long then it's probably too long if it's saying it's too short then it's probably too short so listen you know sometimes we don't need to turn to someone else for the answers we we so often have them already so um tap into that and you know i've seen incredible sales pages that are really 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 short i always use the example of Fabeku. i'm i'm positive both of you know him we yes, love Fabeku. yeah yeah he's wonderful we adore him and his sales pages are awesome it's just like bam 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 this is what it is this is how much it costs and and it's they're fantastic but they're really short um and then i've seen beautiful long sales pages as well which are just a, a pleasure to read and and they work great as well and then I think that mine tend to be somewhere in the middle <laughs> so will you so. tell us Nikki like what you think because you mentioned that as you were answering this what what do people absolutely need to include in their sales pages because everybody thinks they know and then I guarantee you you go to write one and somebody emails you and they're like so when does the course start or end or what's happening <laughs> Yeah, and I, <laughs> I well, I find that people tend to do a few of the com- the sort of um, standard components of a sales page really well, but then they tend to forget little pieces that kind of glue it together. So I think that a lot of people will start their sales page as I I think that you should do, although you know, should is a strong word, and again, like. I'm not a rules kind of gal, but I tend to, this is how I tend to write sales pages, and they and they they work really well. Start off with that, um, you know, really showing that you understand what your target audience is dealing with, how they're feeling, how they're thinking, that kind of thing. Identify that. Like, do you feel maybe you want to ask some questions, or you kind of want to want to lead into it, into it in that way? So people, as soon as they read it, they identify themselves and they think, hey, she's talking about me. This it's clearly something that's going to be that has you know she created this with, with me in mind or he created this with me in mind and then um you know you might want to uh paint a picture of what their life could be like you know after they've worked with you um so you might want to ask them to visualize their future self with your product or service what if you could imagine if that kind of thing and then i think that um 
so that's kind of the the first section, really just showing that you understand. I, I whenever I'm writing notes for clients, I always call it like situation A and situation B. So A is like how they're how they're doing now, what's going on for them right now, and what they need, and then B is where they want to be. So just kind of painting that picture in the beginning, and then I feel like a, a piece that people forget is. Um, then after that, kind of, yes, talking about what you're offering and how it's going to help them. But even prior to that, sharing a little bit of your message. And I think that we get really um, tangled up in, oh, I don't know what my message is. Well, the, what, the, the way that I, without fail, get the answer to this um, out of my clients is to ask them, when you think about those people that you most want to serve and when you um, really – Imagine, okay, well, you know, this is this is what they're dealing with right now. This is how they this is what they're going through. What do you want them to know? Mm-hmm. And when I ask people that, they're like, oh, well, oh, you know, often there's a big, long, prolonged silence, and then they'll, you know, it's like the floodgates open, and they'll just give me a bunch of stuff like, well, I want them to know that they are enough, that they can do this, that they, you know, this is what their their life could be like. It's possible for them, like tons of like really really awesome, motivating, inspirational phrases that all together um, form their message. So that's a great thing to to bring in there. You might want to bring in some of your beliefs as well. You know, I believe that uh, this is, um, I believe that this is, I'm trying to give an example that's going to be relevant to your audience, but talking about what you believe and how that's relevant to them, your viewpoint, and then bringing in your message. And then you can say, okay, and this is what I have for you. This is why I created it. And then you can get into the nitty-gritty of, um, you know, then you can start doing your bullet points and all that kind of thing. So I think, um, yeah, I'm rambling a little bit now. It is late for me here. (laughs) Does that make sense? So that's kind of your first section, I would say. And that's really um really again great advice. And by the way, we've got we've got two little messages coming in. One is from Michelle G and she just wanted to say awesome Nikki. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you got a fan there. And we have somebody else that are anonymous. They actually have a question for you and I think this might really be a great question since we're talking about, you know, length of sales pages, what to have on it. And this person writes, I am a life coach. And I've been advised not to list my prices on my site. Is this a wise idea or not? So this one comes up a lot as well. Um, So I think that that everyone's going to have a different opinion, right? But I think that it's a good idea to have your prices on your website. And here's why. If you don't have them have them on your website, people are going to think that your prices are sky high, mm-hmm. or they're going to think that all you all you're going to do is all you want to do is get them on the phone and do the whole the um, whole hard sell. You know, mm-hmm. they're stuck on the phone with you for an hour, they can't get off the phone, and then they feel obliged to hand over their credit card information, even though they weren't 100% convinced that they wanted to work with you. That's what that's it's going to bring up that fear for people. And I really, again, like for me, whenever you're writing any kind of copy, not even just for your sales page, it's about really connecting with people and building their trust. Like think about it, everybody, 
that they, you know, they come into contact multiple times a day with people who are trying to sell to them, whether that be through their television or, you know, shops that they go into or things that they see online. Everybody's trying to get their money. So how can you really forge a sense of um, familiarity? You know, I think that there's nothing better than someone who, you know, the first time you speak to them on the phone, they've read, they've read through, through your website and they say, hey, I feel like I already know you. So that's mm-hmm. really what you what you want to go for. Um, so, yeah, the prices thing, I, I think that you should put them on the website. The only time that I think it makes sense not to put them on the website is when your prices are sky high <laughs> because then it's like a little, a little warning, like, by the way, I'm going to be pricey, but um, let's talk and see. Let's see, and let's see what we can figure out. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you ladies think about that? What do you think about that, Bree? Oh, I am a, I am a strong supporter of visible prices on the website. I, I navigate away from places that do not have prices clearly listed. <laughs> right, and I do too. And, and even when I go shopping. Here's one of the reasons why I have to say it. I like to shop at the Gap. I know when I walk in there, I know exactly what I'm getting. I know what size jeans I wear. I know how much they're going to cost. There's no surprises. Uh, I don't even have to try them on. You know, I want everything to be really clear and straightforward when I shop, whether it's shopping for jeans or whether I'm hiring a coach or whether I'm signing up for a program. I like having it right up front. I, I don't like surprises. Mm-mm, I don't either. And I and I think that, you know, I think that hiding prices or not displaying prices, I mean, this is advice to this listener. This is advice that does make the rounds. And so you're not alone. We've actually talked about this before on the show in previous episodes. And, and you know, I think that there's there's two other things that, that a, a non-price can indicate. One is that the person – uh, who's listing the service is kind of ashamed of the price, whether it's too high or too low. And so they don't want me to see it. They need to somehow explain it to me, you know, or give me context for it. And I think if you feel that way about your pricing, then you need to reevaluate your pricing. And the second possibility is, like Nikki said, you have a really high price and somebody seeks you out and they're interested, and then you have a really uncomfortable conversation where they're basically like, I really love your work, but I can't, there's no way I can afford this. And so, and I don't like to put people in that situation. I I think that's a really uncomfortable, unhappy place to put someone in. And so I think that's another reason why having prices clearly marked is a good idea. Now, in some cases, there's a situation where, you want to have the price available, but that doesn't mean that people can automatically buy. Mm-hmm. And and you can do that now. You know, you can have like an application form or something, but still say, well, this is how much it is. But you have to go through this process before we're going to start working together. Right. I think that makes a lot more sense. And I have to tell you, it's an uncomfortable position to put a potential client in, but it's also an uncomfortable position for you yeah. As the salesperson, because all of a sudden here you've got to like try to like do a hard sell and convince. And again, for the type of work we're doing, whether you're like a massage therapist, a Reiki healer, a tarot reader, or anybody who's working in the sacred arts, those are not conversations we like to have. No. Those are icky. So I don't think life coaches are going to, a lot of life coaches too, they're heart-centered. I don't think a lot of you guys are going to be down with having those 
icky conversations with people. It's it's bad for you. It's bad for them. So just my yeah. opinion. Yeah, me there's, too. there's a key, there's a key word there as well in what you just said, Teresa, and that's conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that we get so caught up in the sales piece, like oh, I'm writing a sales page now, or oh, I'm about to have a sales call, and we kind of um, psych ourselves out, you know, before we've even started. And I think if we do a reframe around that and think, you know, when you're writing a sales page, I'm just having a conversation with people. I'm just telling them about this thing that I have for them. Or, you know, I'm just about to get on the phone with someone and I'm gonna have I'm just gonna have a conversation with them. You know, I, I remember when I first started, I used to have so much fear around getting on the phone with people and I probably did a really bad job of it the majority of the time, certainly in the beginning, because I, I thought that I had to be following this set formula or, and doing the hard sell, and it just, like, freaked me out. Mm-hmm. And, I get, and now I love getting on the phone with people because I realize I just have to talk to them. And I see what questions they have, and we go back and forth, and I put their mind at rest about anything. I talk about my process, and... It's awesome, and, and I think it's all about that energy piece, isn't it? Just making sure that there's no, like, negative, icky energy around anything that you write or anything that you say, and making sure that people do feel comfortable, they do feel like they, they trust you, they feel safe, I think that's huge, and they don't feel, you know, freaked out or scared or, you know, annoyed or frustrated, but, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I think that that was a great question. Yeah, really good question. I think that's something we could really talk about a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, another thing, too, when you start talking about what to put on sales pages, uh, testimonials, do we need them or not? Bree, what do you think? You know, I like seeing testimonials on sales pages, and I always forget to put them on mine. (laughs) 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 Always. Like, I just just emailed my designer um, because, as you guys know, I launched a program, and I was like, oh, I have all these great testimonials. I was like, do we want to put those on there somewhere? Like, I always, always forget to do it, but I do think that they're effective. Um, You know, typically – if I've typically testimonials are are you know like sprinkled throughout the page or closer to the end, and if I've made it that far, I'm probably already sold on the person or the program. But I but I do like testimonials. I think that they can be useful. What about you guys? Well, I I like them because I like to see who says what about what program. But yes. you know, um, they don't always. I I don't know if we always need them. What do you think, Nikki, about that? Do you think it's a necessity for a sales page? I think it can be tricky if you're just getting started. Um, what I did when I first started was I um, I did like a few little bits and pieces for people for free, which is kind of controversial. Some people are very for that, some people are not. But I did that so that I could in exchange get a testimonial from them. So I managed to build up a, a few to start with, so I didn't start with zero. And then... Um, I will say that I have been able to build up some really great testimonials from some fantastic people, and it has worked wonders for me. It has really helped build my credibility and um, kind of shown that I have this certain reputation and that you know I have I have this great work ethic and everything else. Um, so I would I would say that they are really really effective. 
I would say a couple of things when you're when you're using testimonials on a sales page. One is to make sure as much as possible that they're very results oriented. Um, so they kind of again going back to that kind of A B scenario, this is what I was dealing with and then, you know, this was the end result and you know, I have this fantastic um actually let me just pull it up. I have this fantastic testimonial from one of my clients, Kara Foy, she's a health coach. Um, and she she actually sent me, so I think that when you're trying to get testimonials from people as well, I'm sure you can ask them certain questions, you can go about getting them in different ways, but I found that some of my best testimonials are from people who literally just kind of on a whim email me, and they're like, oh my goodness, this is crazy, like this is what's going on for me, and you're awesome, I'm like, I'm going to save that email, and I'm going to pull that out later on. Um, so she said, oh, you know, I just want to give you a big high five, I've been swamped, I have so many new clients, I'm just about at capacity, I have an endorsement deal, a full media media tour. So basically she completely overdid uh, we did her website and her copy. Um we did that and uh it just resulted in all these fantastic things. So that's like an example of a results oriented testimonial. Um and the other thing as well is that I think that this this is a great way to use them. Um I think the you know it's very tempting to just you know, write your sales page and stick all your testimonials at the end, like 20 testimonials or something like that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think what you can do as you work your way through your sales page, every time, you know, you feel yourself coming up against a potential sticking point, something that someone might have an objection about or feel confused about or feel a little bit of fear coming up about, then you can use a testimonial that really answers that objection or um that fear or whatever else. So that's quite a nice way to use them kind of throughout your page, kind of just sprinkling them through if you like. But I don't think you have to go crazy, but I, I do think that they're really useful. And um, again, it's about sort of building that credibility, building that trust. I do repeat myself a lot, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's, it's true. Well, we've got to hammer okay, that point home. Okay, repetition is good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So as we're talking about kind of not only the usefulness of testimonials, but also placement, do you have any recommendations on formatting a sales page? Like, is there a recipe or a formula that you like to follow as you're getting it all out there? Yeah, and I think um, so. kind of along the lines of what I had said earlier, um, starting off really kind of painting that picture of where people are and then bring it into the specifics of what you're doing. Um, and then, you know, you could round up your sales page by answering any additional objections that maybe you haven't answered in the bulk of the copy. You might want to use, like, FAQs for that. Um, you want to give the price, and then, you know, you want to, as we have said, bring for testimonials through. I think if you are working with a designer, that can be really useful because, as we talked about, you can do some things with the text in terms of really breaking things up and bolding certain things or even italicizing certain things just to really draw people's eyes to that particular sentence or phrase or paragraph. But if you are working with a designer, um, you know, you might they might be able to put um, certain sections in like a box or just do some really neat visual graphics that um, help, again, help pull people's eyes down the page. So, yeah, what have you found with that? 
what have we found? I find, well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm very ADHD. I like, <laughs> I like lots of pictures and stuff when I'm looking at someone's site. Or I, I like things to be clean but with pictures. I know that, that sounds kind of contradictory, but I want to get it. You know what I, I I'm kind of weird with the way my brain works. I want, I don't want it to be, you know, so cluttered that my brain is overloaded, but I want some pictures. I don't want just words. I want pictures to break things up. So that way I get a feel for what this is about, you know. So I I guess I need a a little something-something to look at. I don't want it to be too boring. I don't want it to be too plain. I want things broken up so my eye kind of uh, flows around the page. Does that make sense? Yes. It definitely does, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very much the same. I was saying, again, when the phone cut out, like, I, especially because my copy tends to be on the longer side, I have found that formatting and design are really, really important in my sales pages. And, um, you know, making making things visually really arresting and breaking up that copy so that it doesn't assault people all at once. <laughs> they, they get to sort of like follow the trail. Um, I think that that's really, really important. And I'm, I feel like I'm just really beginning to appreciate what a difference good design can make to the overall reception of a sales page. Like for sure, the copy is A1. It's got to be there. But, you know, the way that we visually display it can make a really big difference. Right on. I agree, and I even I actually come up. I I uh, <laughs> get my words out. Take a breath, Nikki. Calm down. Um, <laughs> no, I actually found that myself recently. I always say that um, sometimes the easiest way to learn something is to kind of screw it up first of all. Mm-hmm. So I had released a new sales page, and someone I was talking to they they looked at it and they were like. Yeah, I feel like the logo shouldn't be where it is, and it's kind of, you know, there's a huge piece of text here, and then there's a logo here, and I was like, you know what, you're right. But it's because I'm not a designer, and I've been trying to just do it myself. And sometimes uh-huh. it, it's worth, you know, spending a few extra dollars, because you kind of have to look at it as an investment, right? And mm-hmm. um, just make sure that you really do make it as visually appealing as possible. Make it easy for people. That's That's huge, you know. How can I make this as easy on people as possible in terms of how can they consume this in a way um, that doesn't, you know, you know we, we don't want to make people work, basically, right? So if you can make it really visually appealing, if you can use language that they would use, that all those kinds of things just make it a lot simpler for people. And I always talk about making it a no-brainer for people to work with you. So mm-hmm. I remember I read this sales page once, and it was so impactful and to the point, and it just seemed to speak to me. I literally clicked through her email to the sales page. I read it through. I probably scanned it because, as I, as I say, I very rarely read things from beginning to end, especially if it's a, a, long, a longer page. I would say this, this page was me, about medium size. I read through, and I, like, was signed up probably within five minutes. It was just, like, click, click, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, I'm in. No brainer. And so I think that that is really what, our goal should be like how can mm-hmm. how can we make this a no-brainer for people that's really, yeah that's really great advice and we are actually coming down to the last few minutes but i have one compelling question that just came through um 
the person here is also coming up as anonymous. I guess people don't want their names out there. Okay. Um, they they wrote, I don't want to write my own sales pages. So, <laughs> <laughs> what is your advice for working with a copywriter? That's actually a great question. That's Sorry, a really not good laughing question. at it, but go anonymous yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, great question. I would say, you know. There are so many copywriters out there now, and I feel like every day I discover another copywriter I didn't know existed before. So there are so many out there. I would say that it's really important that, you know, when you go to whichever copywriter's website, you kind of read through and you get a feel for who they are, what they're all about. If you can jump on the phone with them too, then great. Um, I love to do that with people. I just think it's a great way to get to know each other. And, you know, just get a feel for, for how they work. Is and are they, are they a good fit for you? Does it feel aligned with, you know, the kind of work you do? I love working, as a copywriter, I love working with people who come to my site, who speak to me, and they're just like, hell yes, I am in, where do I sign up? Um, so try and find someone who you feel that way about, I would say. Um, but, I mean, in terms of the way that I work, it doesn't matter if I'm writing a whole website for you or just a sales page. I always approach things in the same way. I always like to get on the phone with you for a good for 60 to 90 minutes. I ask you all kinds of questions about your business. I love to go deep. I'm not the kind of person that stays on the surface. So we go deep. We dig into the why of what you do, which I think is so fundamental and really try and understand, you know, like I've talked about this whole pool, who are your people? Who do you most want to serve and, and how do we how do we really speak to that? just getting a feel for you and how you talk and um yeah so i that's how i always get started and that really sets us up then for you know for even if i'm just writing one page for you at this moment in time if you come back to me in a few months that you know I'm, i can get straight back into the groove and um i also i like to work with people in a very immersive way i find that if i'm kind of going from project to project all at all at once it can you know, that doesn't work well for me. So I really like to immerse myself in one project at a time, one person at a time, really try and harness your voice. Some, it kind of sounds corny, but sometimes I liken it to if I was uh, an actor and I was preparing for a role, I would, you know, I'd really get into character and really spend time um, getting into that mindset. So I try and do that with my clients, but I mean, it kind of sounds cheesy to say that. Um, so yeah, I mean, find someone who finds the person who is a hell yeah, find the person who's a no-brainer for you and work with them and who obviously fits your budget as well because <laughs> that's important. That's great advice and this has been uh, such a such an important conversation, Such a so much information I think is really going to help our audience. Nikki, where can people find you again and if they want to work with you directly, how do they get to your world? Yeah, um, come on by. I'm over at nickygroom.com. That's N-I-K-K-I-G-R-O-O-M. My last name is like bride and groom. I always have to tell people that on the phone because they're like, is it broom? Is it green? I'm like, no, broom. <laughs> so, yeah, come on by. And um, my the, my business is called The S Factor. And you can sign up for my email list. And you can also... Um, inquire about working with me directly if you click on copywriting at the top it will give you a rough idea of, of how I work again and then um, you also have the opportunity to set up a chat with me if you want to just cut corners and do that 
um, yeah, but uh, we'd love to talk to you. And um, even if you just want to email and say hi, that's cool too. And then I'm, I'm on social media. I love social media. So if you use Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest, I'm basically everywhere as Nikki Groom. So I'm easy to find. Awesome. Yay. Thank you so much, Nikki. This has been a wonderful conversation, and you have given us some very good pointers for how to work this process. You are so welcome, and thank you, thank you for planning this, because I just feel like it's something that people really need help with, and they really get stuck on. And, and like you were saying at the beginning, Brie, it's, it's crucial that people get this right, and there's a lot of pressure on. So, yeah, anything that I can do to make that easier on people. And I think for our industry yeah. especially, Again, yeah. people who are sacred artists, they're metaphysical people, we're mystical people. You know, the sales page stuff, this whole thing with sales is really a pretty scary process, but you've made it sound very easy, very doable, and I think this is going to uh, be probably a show people are going to listen back to again and again because this is the type of stuff we really need to hear. Oh, I hope so. That That's really nice of you to say that. I hope so. I hope it's been really useful. And if people have more questions, then again, feel free to email me. I'm, I'm all, my door is open. <laughs> awesome. Aww, so awesome. And as we're closing <laughs> down our show tonight, we are we have another fantastic show later this month that is also going to be. I, I think we always have important stuff for our audience. But Bree, why don't you give people a clue or tell them the whole dirt on what we are doing uh, later on? So first of all, you guys get a twofer in July. I hope y'all are so excited. Today is July 1st. Our next show is Wednesday, July 29th. It's the month of the Teresa and Brie double feature. And we are talking about a very important topic next uh, at the end of the month. It is going to be all about creating the work-life balance with Rachel Baxter Cook. And, yeah, work-life balance. Is it possible? Can it be done? I think these are questions that all entrepreneurs have, but especially those of us in the sacred arts and the mystical fields. Is that possible? Yes, and Rachel is one of the people I admire a lot. So she's somebody who has three kids, and she manages her business, and she's going to teach us how it's done. So it's going to be a great show. Tune in. Don't miss it. Wednesday, July 29th, and thank you to everybody. Thank you to Nikki. Thank you to all the people in our audience tonight. We had a lot of people tonight. Um, and, you know, you can find me, guys, very easily also at thetarolady.com and my very gorgeous co-host. Where can we find you? guys, you? thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a great evening. You can find me at briannasafi.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-A. Saucy, S-A-U-S-S-Y.com. Thank you, and have a great night, everyone. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Night. Bye. 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 Bye.